Good morning. How you doing? All right. It is so good to see you all. God bless you. Welcome to Church at the Bridge. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And it is a blessing to have you here. You guys are like the Marines. You guys are the ones that rise up early. You guys are crazy being here at 9 o'clock for church. But we love you. Uh, but you always have that second service option. In any event, today we're beginning a new series titled Life Behind the Scenes. Life behind the scenes. Have you ever thought of everything you experience in life, the good times, the bad times, everything in between, that there's something greater at work? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that there are things happening in the unseen realm? Well, like this video, there's a lot more at work in our lives than we see and what we're taught to believe. There's an unseen realm at work that is plainly revealed by God. But it's easily missed unless we begin to look to what God tells us about it. Now, I'm not asking you to today to take my word for anything. I'm not giving you my words here. I want you to simply consider what the word of God has to say. Because oftentimes, if we're, we're honest with ourselves, we blame our past. We blame people. Uh, we, we attribute uh, the victories in life to things, to circumstances, and we miss what's really at play. And so today I'd like to start this series by talking to you about the hidden life. The hidden life. And as we get started here, it's important for us to understand our own makeup behind the scenes. How we're built. How we were created. The reality is that who you are is not what you see. Who you are is not what you see. Let me take you to scripture on that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses, 22, uh, verses 23 through 24. Um, I'm, I'm using the message version because I like the simplicity of it. But here's what it says. May God himself, God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together. Listen closely. Spirit, soul, and body. Say that with me. Spirit, soul, and body. And keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. So I want you to think about this. We concern ourselves in life with the outer man. What does that mean? That simply means that we concern ourselves with what we feel, with what we taste, with what we touch, with what we see. We relate to everything according to the physical realm. But God concerns himself with something entirely different. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't care about what you experience in this physical experience that we believe is called life. By the way, newsflash, it's much more than what we think. But the thing about it is this. Notice what the scriptures say. It says that God does, he, he, brings, he makes everything holy and whole, and he put us together, spirit, soul, and body. Listen, the truth is this, that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Now, when the Bible talks about your soul, it's not talking about some spooky stuff. It's talking about your mind, where your mind, your will, and emotions are at work. When it talks about your spirit, it's talking about who you really are. And the beauty about it is this, that apart from God, we were all separated from God. The scripture says we were dead. But if you're in Christ, here's the beauty in it. 
It says that you are now a new creation, that all things have passed away. Behold, all things are now become new. You are completely new. The problem is this. We become Christian, we, we, be, we believe in Christ, and we say, you know what, I'm following Christ, and we somehow expect our hair to grow back. <laughs> I tried that for many years. doesn't work. I'm telling you, I used to have hair. Then I started pastoring this church, and uh, I just look better and better. <laughs> God is good. Hey, don't, don't take that person. I was just kidding. But listen, until we grasp this truth that we are more than what we see, that life is more than what we think it is, and we begin to see and understand what's happening behind the scenes, until we grasp that truth, we'll always live life partially. Partially. I don't know about you, but if God says that he created me anew, spirit, soul, and body, and that he's making me fit, spirit, soul, and body, and if God says that he makes me holy and whole, spirit, soul, and body, then guess what? We're called to live to the max in every three areas. Spirit, soul, and body. Listen, you can be healed spiritually. You can be made anew. You can be healed in your mind, in your soul, in your emotions, in your will. You can find peace. And listen, you can experience all God's best in your body. You can experience that. God promises that. And so we got to really talk about what's really going on. See, apart from God, we've all been led to believe that life consists in what we feel, what we see, what we desire, what we do, what we get, etc. I mean, think about this. You've all heard this said, right? This is my life, right? Oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong church. Nobody's ever thought that way. My bad. I've thought that way. This is my life. I'm living life on my terms. You only live once, so you might as well live life to the fullest. I can see it. If I can see it, I believe it. We've all, we can all identify with those terms, whether now or at some point in our lives. But the thing is that it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a smoke screen. It's a setup to conceal the truth of what is really happening. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says this. So I say, this is an important word, let, let. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That term sinful nature is also referred to as flesh. It's just simply what we desire in this natural body. Anybody love chocolate? Jeez. We got to get a bunch of you on keto. <laughs> Listen. Think about this. How do you know you love chocolate? You tasted it, right? And that taste develops a affinity, a relationship, a mental experience. And so now some of you are already drooling because you wanted some chocolate, right? Uh, my point with that is this, that this flesh, this sinful nature the body talks about, relates to the world by experience, by experience, by what we knew apart from God. And so let's go back to the text. It says, so let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, your flesh. 
The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Listen closely. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. The original text puts it this way. They are at odds with one another. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Life based on the external is in direct opposition to what God has done internally within us. Let me tell you something. If you ever feel God spoke to you, pause. Because God does not speak according to feeling. We're going to dig into that in a second. If you ever feel that this is the right way, pause. Pause. Because God does not lead according to feeling. Right? And so, basing life on the external experiences that we have according to Scripture is in direct opposition to what God has done internally within us. It's directly in opposition to God's leading in our lives. And so we learn a powerful lesson here. Life is a result of who we depend on. We either depend upon God or we depend upon our flesh. We either depend on desires born out of a relationship with God or we depend on our own independent desires apart from God. We seek what we want. It's like waking up in the morning and going, oh, man, I, I want five chocolate bars. Now, you could do that. But how's that going to work for you over the matter of a year? See what I mean? And so Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 17, and just the first half of 17 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, again, that's the flesh, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Listen closely. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature, again, their flesh, can never please God. But you, go ahead and tell somebody, he's talking about you. Go ahead and tell somebody else, he's talking about me. Listen closely to what he says about you. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. Somebody give me an amen on that one. Okay, I'm glad you agree. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ, Jesus, from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, listen closely. You have no obligation to do 
what your sinful nature urges you to do. Listen to what the scriptures are declaring. We do not have to do what we physically desire. Watch this, verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. That just simply means it's a term of endearment. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact... Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So I want you to, I want to wrap that all up by simply just making this point. Life does not consist by our leading, but by who we lean to. I want you to think about what the scriptures declare. Your life is like, you ever go to a Broadway show? You know, you ever go to a good show, even a high school show, right? Like a, a, a theatrical production. You know, you know what I love about those things? I'm, I'm one of those guys that I'm not just, wa- well, I usually fall asleep when I watch them, to be honest. I went, we went to see Wicked twice, and I fell asleep both times because it bored me to death. It's a little too fluffy for me. But anyway, um, Sorry. For, for you guys that really love that stuff. But anyway, what, here's one of the things that I pay attention to. I find it so fascinating how they put together these sets. And they draw your attention with lighting and with someone singing and people acting. And then in the background, you see all these people dressed in black pushing all these things. Like something's happening behind the scenes. And what we see in scripture is that there are things moving and shaking. There are things happening behind the scenes. And the scriptures tell us that we should lean to the spirit, that we should follow after God's spirit, that we should not follow our own desires. So our life is like a cast, like a show, and things are happening behind the scenes. I have a few volunteers. You know who you are. I gave you a T-shirt. Just put it on and come on up here real quick. Here's what we got going on. We have, sorry, it's too small. We have the devil, right? Nobody cheer for the devil, right? We have the devil, right? Then we have, where's the flesh? Flesh, come on over here. Spirit, come on over that way. God, come on over that way, right? We have the flesh, right? We have the soul, right? We have the spirit, and we have God. So, here's how this works. The devil, you're going to act this out for me. The devil begins to whisper to the flesh, Go ahead and whisper to the flesh. And the devil says, hey, do what you want. Live life the way that you want to live it. You don't have to do that. Man, God's grace covers you. You're covered. You're forgiven anyway. So you might as well live and max out, man, and do whatever you want because God loves you. Right? The flesh goes, hmm, good idea. And the flesh begins to talk to the soul. And as he's whispering to the soul, he's saying, man, listen, you should really go ahead and go to that party, man. You should just get smashed, man. You should do whatever you want, man. Because, and the soul, all of a sudden, you see, he begins to go, yeah, man, I'm kind of digging that. Right? I'm kind of digging that. 
Right? And so here's what happens. The soul, the flesh, and the devil are working in union. And herein become, begins a life that's destructive. But according to scripture, here's what we see on the other side. What we see is that God has made you a new creation. You're a renewed spirit. So the spirit is happy. It's alive. It smiles. Right? So God speaks to the spirit and says, hey, here's my precious promises to you. I've made you anew, you are alive and well, you are forgiven, you are righteous, you are holy, you are blessed, you are prospered, I'm providing for you, I've got a plan for your life. And the spirit begins to speak to the soul, right? And now the soul begins to, right, grow up. But watch what then happens. Watch how you overcome the natural inclinations apart from God. All of a sudden, when God, the spirit, and the soul are working as one, guess who has to follow? Mr. Flesh over here. And guess who's left standing defeated, right? The devil. Oh, you, get, you get my picture here? Let's give it up for our volunteers. Thank you so much. So listen, I want you to think about this because... The truth is that we miss what's really been done by God. We get moved by our feelings. We get moved by letdowns. We get moved by that church hurt me or those people. Nobody hurt you. You believed the lie. You accepted it in your soul and you're in cooperation with the devil if you are still struggling and saying, man, they did this to me, they did that to me. Nobody did anything to you. You believed it. You accepted it, and you hurt you. Now, I know that that's, those are tough words. But I want you to think about this. According to the scriptures, the scriptures say that we are to work out the salvation that is ours. God's done his part. If you have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and, 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 and that he's made you alive, then what you need to understand is this. You need to understand what the, spirit, what the words of Jesus say in John 6.63. It says this, the spirit gives life. The spirit gives life. Watch this. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. So think about this. True life flows from God's spirit that is now joined to yours. Anything else apart from that counts for nothing. It counts for nothing. It counts for nothing. If you're living life according to your emotions, according to your desires, according to... to, to Plans and purposes that are completely independent of the, what the word of God reveals. I'm telling you right now that you're not living according to the life that God has given you. It's present. It's there. It resides in you. But you're not tapping into it. And as a result, we live deficient when God wants us to live holy and whole spirit, soul, and body.
you know, reminds me of a, this guy named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. That might not mean much, you know, for some of us we go, ooh, a prophet. Elijah, all a prophet is is basically this. Back in these days, they were actually very significant. Because God spoke directly to a man, and he would appoint this man, and this man would then go and he would speak on behalf of God to the people. And so he was like, almost like God on earth, so to speak. He wasn't God though, right? But this guy Elijah was anointed by God to be his prophet, his man, the man. And his job was to correct, his job was to redirect people because you see, the people of Israel in these days were in a place of disobedience. They were very quick to follow after other idols and and their own desires and all this other stuff, right? And so Elijah came, sent by God, and he would speak the truth. And he would even go and speak to the king. And Elijah at this time would go and speak to King Ahab and tell him, listen, you're doing this wrong and this wrong, and that's inconsistent with what God wants, right? And so Elijah, where we're going to pick up, has prophesied by revelation of God that there is going to be a drought. And it's going to last three years. And as a result of this drought, what's going to happen is a famine. Everything's going to go dry. And so let's turn to our Bibles in 1 Kings 17, verses 2 through 16. And I want you to see what happens here. Starting at verse 2, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Remember that point. It's a very important point. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. God said to him, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he did what the Lord had told him. Somebody say, he did what the Lord told him. Remember that point. And he went to the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So Elijah's pretty good. In the midst of a drought, he's doing all right. In the midst of a famine, he's provided for. Verse 7, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath to the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And so he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in the jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord The God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And so she went away and did as Elijah had told her. 
So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So what do we have going on here? Listen, at face value, this guy Elijah seems like a pretty impressive person. Think about this. He's chosen by God to deliver a specific message that God gave him, not anyone else, to deliver to people. Right? He's anointed by God. He's appointed by God. He's chosen by God. He's provided by God. Right? And great things happen when he speaks. All these amazing things at surface level, he's the kind of guy that you and I might go, man, that's the type of Christian I want to be. I want to do what he does. If you look at the scriptures, this guy was a rock star, man. He called fire from heaven and he came down and slayed all these prophets and all this. You go, ooh. But I got news for you. You're no different than Elijah. James 5, 17 and 18 says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again in the heaven gave grain, and the earth produced its fruit. Listen, Elijah had success and access because he was connected to the same God that you are. He spoke to the same God that you did. He prayed to the same God that you and I do. There was nothing impressive about Elijah, but I will tell you what was different about Elijah. Elijah trusted God. He leaned his understanding and his life to God. He followed where God led. What God was doing behind the scenes was more real to him than what he felt and what was happening around him. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, some of you can quote this with your eyes closed, says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Notice what the scripture says. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own experience. Lean not on your own feeling. You know how many times I've, I, maybe you've experienced this too, but, you know, in, in all these years in ministering, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, God told me that this is what he's called me to do. And then a couple of months down the line, God changes his mind. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, now God said, I'm going here. But God said, this is what my purpose is. This is what I'm called to. And oh, Amen. You know, my response is when somebody says, God told me, okay, God, I got nothing to say. Not, my opinion doesn't matter there. But I will tell you this, if it's God, you're going somewhere. If it's God, it will come to pass. It, and if it's God, guess what? It will align itself up with God's word. It will not be independent of God's word. It will not. It will be consistent. And so here's the thing. Here's the question to consider. 
Who are you leaning on? Who are we leaning to? Are we more moved by the chair that we see or by the God that's ever-present? Are we more trusting in a God who's a provider, who's a healer, who's ever-faithful, whose word does not fail, or are we moved by circumstances, emotions, our own will? See, we can follow God like Elijah, but to do it, we must trust God. We must lean to his understanding and not our own. And we must look to him for the journey and every step along the way. You know, I learned a valuable lesson in these last five years. On this side, people would look and go, man, in five years, look what God has done, man. It's so amazing, man. Yeah, you know, I'm so proud of you. And this and that. Look, God is doing it. I don't want to do what you're doing. But you have no idea what it feels like when God says go and it makes no sense. When God gives you a word, confirms it through his word, and he's leading and guiding you, but everything around you says, don't do it. There's no paycheck. Don't do it. Your kids are in college. Don't do it. You have a mortgage. Don't do it. You're going to Newburgh. Don't do it. Can I tell you something? You don't know what faith is until all you can do is depend on God. Just God. So stop consulting prophets such and such. Stop following televangelists such and such. Stop going by this person or that person. Or I'm just waiting for confirmation and you're waiting for somebody to massage your feelings. Listen. We're talking about following after God. We're talking about what's really happening behind the scenes. And so what do we learn from Elijah from these short couple of verses that we just looked at? The life of Elijah gives us key indicators. I would encourage you to go and just check out this guy's life. Check it out for yourself. Go to 1 Kings 16, 17, 18. Then check out how God worked through Elisha, who was his protege. And then go and look at Jesus because Jesus is the embodiment of the Spirit, leading, leading the Spirit, leading and following after the Spirit. We're going to dig into all that in this series. But the life of Elijah gives us key indicators on how to live out of the flow of God's Spirit and His leading. And so let's note some things based upon what we just read. The first point I want to give you here is this, that the hidden life originates with God's Word. It originates with God's word. If we could put verse 2 up again real quick. I want you to see what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now, you got to keep in mind that the Bible was still being written at this time. So we've got the benefit of seeing it written out. Elijah's walking it out. Right? And so check this out. God says to him, Elijah, you're leaving this place. And I'm sending you somewhere where I'm going to provide for you. Elijah finds himself in the midst of a drought. How do we know that? Because he declared it. And he's still there. So look, this didn't just affect the people. This affected him too. And so God gives him a word and he says to him, hey, you're in the midst of a drought. It's going to be, there's going to be a famine and so I'm sending you somewhere. But notice this according to the verses we read. Notice that Elijah was not moved by the drought. 
Elijah was moved by a word from God. I remember uh, last summer, we, we do a, a huge event in the first week of July uh, just to kick off things in the city, you know, and, and pray for the city, and we get a chance to share a word. We do what we call a super soak summer bash. We do a whole bunch of cool stuff. And, and I remember uh, last year, the, the truck driver who brings this huge water truck um, says to me, hey, Pastor, let me ask you something. How did you know that this is where you guys were supposed to come? I mean, it's got to be that you saw the need, right? It was the need. And I remember what came out my mouth when I said it. I didn't think about it, but it just came out my mouth. And I said, John, need had nothing to do with us coming here. I said, God gave us a word. Can I say something to you? Sometimes we're moved by our needs. If we could just get up close and personal for a moment. We're moved by our needs. I need this. And this door opened up, so it's got to be God. You know how, what's the only way you'll know that? If you just got a word from God. I've seen people come and go. I've seen people succeed, and I've seen people fail. I've been there myself. And let me tell you, there is no better place to be than following the instruction of God's word when you make a move. When we made a move, this brother right here, Joel, a good friend of mine, was influential in my life. He was more encouraged me to me than he ever knew. That $7,000 keyboard that we have right there, listen, we started here with an acoustic guitar. Not that it mattered. And a cheesy keyboard back in the hotel. And when we were coming here, Joel calls me up and he says, Jose, what kind of keyboard would you like? So what are you talking about? He says, I know you're going to a new building. What kind of keyboard do you like? I said, well, yeah, I've been checking out a few things, but this is what it costs. And he goes, all right, I'll give you a call. He goes, what's your address? It was the last thing on my mind. Guess what showed up at my front door? That keyboard for our first service. Listen, God works behind the scenes. God works behind the scenes. Don't tell me that God doesn't work behind the scenes. When we came to this building, this building was being sold for 700000 cash. We came in and I told the owner, man, this is it, man. This is where we belong. He says, how much money you got? I said, I got nothing for you, brother. He says, well, what's your story? And I just shared with him our heart, what God had shown us, what God had called us to. And he says, he gets on the phone, he calls the guy, he goes, yeah, listen, my lawyer is going to call your lawyer. And I know we were about to close this. Um, I'm committed to a church. I'm leasing them the building. Who gives up 700K to lease us a building for peanuts? That's God, man. God works behind the scenes. But here's my point with all that. That the hidden life originates with God's word. When it's God's word, you do not have to worry. But you have to make sure that it's God's word that is leading you, not your feelings, not your emotions. Psalm 33, 6 tells us something. It says, the Lord merely spoke. When God created, he didn't lift a finger. Watch what the scripture says. He spoke. And the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. Listen, everything that God does, and builds and creates and where he leads is by his word. Let God 
paint a new picture for you. Let him put the stars in the sky for you like he did for Abraham and say, that's where I'm leading you. That's my promise for you. You just trust me. The hidden life requires a response in faith. In verse 5, if we could put that up, here's what we see. It says, and so he did what the Lord had told him. He did what the Lord told him. He did what the Lord told him. Elijah became aware of the leading of God, but he had to walk there to receive the promise. He had to walk there. Let me just bring that to simple terms. God says, this is where I'm leading you. This is the next step in your life. Here's what we do. I just need confirmation. I'm just waiting on the Lord because I'm waiting for you, waiting for you. I'm patiently waiting for you. And, and I just want to testify. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. But God's word already showed you and you haven't taken a step. Here's the thing about faith. It requires us to move. <laughs> it requires you to go where God is leading and guiding. It requires, listen, I think of it this way. I remember a couple of years back, um, they came up with this plan that they were throwing another 39 homes behind where our home is. Well, needless to say, we're moving. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But they, they're building all these homes, and now there's all this parking and all that. But I remember the first time we heard about it. They put up a sign in the front, and they had this drawing. And I'm like, what's going on here? And we're driving up, and these guys are out there with all these papers, and they're pointing, and they're looking, and, and they, they've got these spray cans, and they're spraying stuff on the ground. And, and I'm looking, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, what is it that they see? You know my point with that is? This is how faith works. Faith paints a picture in the unseen. Remember, God, God's spirit speaks to your spirit, and your spirit aligns itself with God's word. All of a sudden, you begin to dream about what your household could look like in peace. All of a sudden, you begin to dream about what life can look like if you just let go of that hurt. If you just get past those hangups, if you get past the voices that condemn you and beat you up, if you get past your fears and your worries, you begin to dream about a different picture. And all of a sudden, you begin to move in that direction. I dare say this, that maybe for some of you, today was your first step. And for some of you, you're seeing something new and different. See, you got to understand something about how this works with God, how this faith life works. God gives us the picture. It's revealed through his word. But all of a sudden, we begin to meditate and dream and envision. And before long, here's what we're doing, the same thing those guys were. They're looking at the landscape and they're going, eight houses are going there. Six houses are going here. There's going to be a road right here. And the thing about it is they already see it. And so they're following a plan in the unseen. 
and it comes to pass, I'm telling you that you can get a hold, a vision of something greater with God, and you can begin to see where God is leading, and you play a part in this all coming about, but you have to take steps. My pastor used to put it this way. Faith is one step at a time, one in front of the other. But guess what? If you just take one step and you take another, guess where you aren't? You aren't where you were. You're heading where God is leading you. You got to go there. See, the distance between God's word and the fulfillment of what he promises is faith in action. It is faith in action. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we walk by faith, not by sight. Watch how faith works. We walk. <laughs> We walk. We move with God. We go somewhere. We don't stay where we are. The hidden life comes with God's supernatural supply. In verse 6, here's what we see. If we could just put that up real quick. In verse 6, what we see is that Elijah leaves. And the Bible says that God told him, I want you to go to this place called Kerith. The Kerif Ravine. When you go there, ravens are going to show up and they're going to feed you. And there's going to be a brook there and you're going to drink water from there. You know what's interesting about this, this whole deal here? That place, Kerif, you know what that word Kerif means? It means to cut off. You know what it literally depicts? A place of isolation. There's nothing there. And you know what's even crazier? Google this, by the way, because Google's always right, right? Listen. Google ravens, and here's what you'll see about ravens. They don't feed their own. They're selfish birds. And so here God says, hey, Elijah, I want you to go to this dry, isolated, desolate place. And when you get there, selfish birds are all of a sudden going to be, they're, all, they're going to become very giving. And they're going to fly to you and bring you meat every single day. And that brook will flow for you every single day. They will bring you bread and you will eat. The point here is this. That when God leads us, it may not always look right or plentiful. But when it's God, he'll turn what seems like a desert into a spring in your life. You know what all my buddies told me, people that I know in ministry told me when I told them I was coming to this city. They said, don't go there. Don't go there. And I said, no, that's, that's exactly where God told us to go. There is nothing wrong with this city. You know what the problem is? People just don't see what God sees. I dare say this. I see what God sees. I believe what God sees. And stay tuned because we got some news developing and we'll let you know some more in months to come. But God does things. He provides in the hidden life. Here we are depending on people. Depending on material, depending on things. Can I just give a word of caution? Don't be that unwise person either who says, I'm just going to live frivolously, but God provides. There's no wisdom in that. That doesn't align itself with God's word. And so God leads us, and it may not always look right or seem plentiful, but when God is leading, man, it's going to work out. And the last point that I want to give you here is this. It's that the hidden life exceeds our expectations. It exceeds our expectations. 
Watch this, verse 14, if you could put that up, please. Eventually, God calls Elijah to leave the Kerith Ravine. The brook dries up. The birds ain't coming no more. And God says to him, hey, I want you to go back to this place. Here's the thing. There's no food there. There's no water there. There's no provision there. And, he, and so it doesn't make sense again. And God sends Elijah to this region that was impacted by the same drought and famine that he left from originally. And God tells him that a widow will provide for his needs there. You know, it's interesting. Elijah gets there. He meets this woman, and she's gathering sticks. Now, what's interesting is this, that she's a widow, and in those days, widows, according to Jewish law, religious law of those days, the law said that a widow was to be taken care of by her own children. And if she couldn't, if her children couldn't take care of her, she had a, a fellow kinsman, someone in her family was to take care of her. And if not, then people, you know, they had this whole set up with the year jubilee and all that. I don't have time to get into all that. But they would be provided for somehow. What's interesting is that this woman is in the midst of a famine and she's gathering sticks and preparing for her last meal. What does that tell us? The Bible tells us that she had a son. What we can assume most likely is that this son was too young to take care of himself. And so here this widow is, and we can also assume that she has no family. She's destitute. Everybody's in a bad situation. And Elijah sees her gathering these sticks. And Elijah says to her, hey, uh, got some water? Can I, get a, can I get a glass of water? And she says, I'll get you a glass of water. And as she's walking to get this glass of water, Elijah says, and do me a favor while you're doing that, could you bring me a piece of bread too? And she says, sir, all I have is a little handful of flour and a little bit of oil in this jar. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. See, just enough just to make a few cakes of bread so that me and my son can eat our last meal and then die. But you see, Elijah knew differently. They both laid eyes on the same jar. And she looked at the jar and she said, it's empty. And Elijah says, no, no. It's full. She goes, but, but you don't understand. This is all we got left. We're, we're just going to eat our last meal. We're going to die. And Elijah says, no, 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 no. That's not empty. That's full. And I imagine that she's going, this guy is crazy. There's, there's only this much in here. How could you make meal for, for a grown man and myself and my child? And, and how could we go on from this point forward? And Elijah says, let me tell you what God said. Let me tell you what God said. You go and you get as many jars as you can. And you go fill them with oil. Mind you, there is no oil. See how it works behind the scenes? God says, go. 
and she gets a moving. And she grabs one jar, and she grabs another jar. And she goes ahead and she grabs another jar. And she begins to take all these jars that are empty, and she's going, but they're empty. And Elijah's saying, no, they're full. And all of a sudden, she begins to gather them together. She's got all these jars, and all of a sudden, there's oil, and there's flour, and the Bible says that there was bread to eat, and there was water provided. Listen closely. This hidden life exceeds our expectations. Let me tell you why. Because God will never lead you to leave you. God does not lead you to leave you. If God says go, trust, all is well. Jesus put it this way in John 10.10. I came that you may have life. Watch this. Life more abundantly. Abundant life. Oh, here we go. He's one of those prosperity preachers. Listen, I serve a prosperous God. You got a problem with that, you take that up with God. And so as we close here today, we've learned that there's a hidden life. That there's more to life than what we see. But our lives are not meant to be lived in hidden places. Galatians 5.25 says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, it's not good enough to know we have a spirit life. We have to live by the Spirit. We have to begin to take steps with God. Amen? Let's stand here today. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word which is true, which is alive and active and powerful and at work this day in our lives. Your word declares, Lord, that in the hearing of your word, faith is come. And so, Lord, I thank you that today eyes are open, minds are transformed, hearts are restored, redeemed, built up from the inside out. Lord, I pray that you would begin to open the eyes of these, your people, Lord, that we would begin to see and to dream and to exceed what we've been told and what we've limited ourselves to. Father, that we would begin to trust your word and know that you are the God who calls us, the God whose promises, your answers to them are yes and amen, Lord. I thank you, Father, that from this day forward, Lord, we are no longer moved simply by what we see, by what we feel, by where we've been. But, Lord, we're trusting in you. We're looking to you. Hey, if there's anyone here today, maybe this Jesus stuff is, you're familiar with it. Maybe you grew up in church. I don't know. I was that kid. But it never made sense. And today something's clicked. You're beginning to understand that, wow, there's more to this life than what I see, what I feel, than my needs. There's a real God at work. There's a real God present. There's a real God who loves me and is reaching out to me and today is speaking to my heart. Maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Listen, wherever you are right now, if what you heard today resonates within you and you're saying, man, I want to get back to you, Jesus. Let me give you a piece of truth. He never left. He's always been with you. 
But maybe this is a place of decision where you say, from this point forward, I'm getting back to Jesus and just lead me, Lord. And I'm going to take steps with you. Or if you don't know God and today you believe what you're hearing and you're saying, I want that type of relationship with God. I don't want to be moved by my emotions. I don't want to be moved by a diagnosis. I don't want to be moved by what people tell me, by what my past yells at me in in my ear constantly. I want to trust God. Well, listen, we want to invite you to pray a simple prayer of faith with us. We're not asking you to do anything kooky. It's simply a prayer that we want to pray alongside you that declares that you understand that God loves you. That while you and I were guilty and we were the ones who were supposed to pay the penalty for sin, God loves you and I enough that he would say, let me move you out the way and let me pay the penalty for you. Let me make you righteous and holy. Let me clean your life up. God's not asking you and I to change anything. He's not asking you to improve upon the old you. God's simply saying, follow me and let me work in your life. If you believe that with us, then let's pray this together. Congregation, let's join them. Say this together. Jesus, I believe you love me. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Today I declare that you're my Lord and my Savior. And that you're my God. And from this day forward, I put my trust in you. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. Come on, if you prayed that for the first time, we celebrate what God has done in your life. Don't leave here without letting us know about your decision. We want to walk alongside you. Now, Father, we leave here with thanksgiving, trusting in you, knowing that you are faithful, looking to your promises. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.